Legends once told of a podcast lost now in the sea of time. These ancient recordings spoke of games and the arcane art of HTML5. Today, Jeff Blair and Matt Hackett bring these words back to life. It is Lostcast, and may your ears receive it. Welcome to Lostcast, episode 80. I'm Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. We launched a Wizard's Lizard a week ago yesterday on Steam, and hasn't it felt like three months-ish? <laughs> At least yeah. one month. More than a week, certainly. It's been a so, packed week. I guess last week's podcast, we probably talked about the fact that we launched it the day before. Oh, I guess so, yeah. We must have. But yes, yeah, so now it's been on Steam for a week, and we have um, numbers. Numbers. We're not going to get people those love just numbers. Yet. We're not going to talk tease about you. Them? Well, we are, but we're going to talk about some other stuff first. Yeah, that's later. You have to you have to tolerate more speaking about non-numbers things. <laughs> right. Everybody's always just get to the numbers. Shut up. What are the numbers? We're going to make you listen to our boring news announcements, and then <laughs> then maybe you can have some numbers. Uh, boring news announcements such as developer roundtable round two. That's right. Actually. If you like Lost Cast, this is actually pretty good news because you've got like almost 10 minutes more of Lost Cast type entertainment for you. <laughs> Up to Lost and including style. 10 minutes more. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a link in the show notes and it is part two of that developer roundtable we talked about where we went up to San Francisco during the HTML5 developer conference and we sat down with some other excellent HTML5 developers and uh, got much too drunk and talked about... <laughs> uh development web native games all kinds of stuff you got way too drunk i did i got I sick was that drinking night water uh i i don't know <laughs> what happens like i i'm not even a drinker i don't like to drink it's just uh it is a social lubricant you know it helps me kind of be less i don't know maddie tight <laughs> it loosens me up a little bit and you know when you're meeting a bunch of strangers and kind of like um a high impact environment you know like you're talking to your peers you're talking to people that you're doing business with it's uh i don't know just like a, having at least one drink in me helps totally <laughs> the problem is when i get like four drinks in me and that's the opposite of helping <laughs> actually i i wasn't only drinking water i did have one beer and so yeah See, that's but what i kept I, it to one drink that's it yeah that's what i for some reason i didn't do that normally i know that my limit is two uh but part of the problem was they had people walking around filling up your glass yeah it was kind of like well i don't want to let this wine go to waste (laughs) they poured it right for me i mean what can you do uh badness yes (laughs) um but round two is up and if uh actually you know i should probably put round one in the show notes as well in case you uh you missed it uh and this one is a lot like the first one in that it is also the jeff show yay you hate it don't you i do a little bit i i'm one of those people where like i hate watching myself talk because i just i hate it There's... i hate listening to lost cast i hate watching the round tables <laughs> hate it i think a lot of people have that problem you know like when you first hear your voice recorded or you see video of yourself you're like do i move like that <laughs> i thought i moved like a ninja <laughs> like look like a muppet <laughs> I thought I, was, I had more of like an action star thing going, but <laughs> I, I thought I had that. this like Muppet. deep, like manly voice. It's like, no, 
I've got this high-pitched nasal... Oh, my voice cracks. There's just an example of that. Man, that's that's my least favorite part of, of my voice. My voice actually cracked in the uh, in first, first round table. Yep. For everyone to enjoy. <laughs> and everyone did enjoy it. You're welcome. Yes. Here's here's laughter for you at my expense. Anyways, yeah, it's uh, continuing the interesting discussion. This one's actually probably one of my favorite uh, topics, which is... Um, native native versus html5 and i like to play yeah. devil's advocate um, yeah a little bit in the video because i don't know i like to because it's fun and uh but yeah it turned out pretty well although it's only yeah. eight minutes long so you should have a have a look listen watch whatever yeah we did a full hour i believe of talking and video almost recording. two hours was it almost two hours yeah yeah my uh <laughs> My understanding of the passage of time is uh, even worse as I get drunker. <laughs> you don't say. It felt like an hour. I was having so much fun, though. Oh, yeah, man. I had a blast. I remember when later. they were kind of wrapping it up. You know, they motioned to us like, oh, we're, we've got everything. Like, we're good. I was like, wait, no, I, I want to keep talking. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw this. I know at least some listeners uh, were, were tweeting about it, but uh, <laughs> there was a, the first one was posted on Reddit and there was a comment like, why do you all hate each other? You were just <laughs> glaring so much hate. You're like, like yeah, stabbing yeah. each other with your eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. That's such an odd comment. Yeah. I, I guess it was kind of a serious conversation. Like this video is a little better in that there's some laughter and some smiling. Cause that was very much the spirit, you know, right. like we, yeah, we weren't ever like, no, no, you're wrong. Native is worse or nothing like that. It was just a, you know, open conversation. Um, <laughs> some of us look kind of red and flushed, like, you know, me, like they've been drinking too much. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And like the red flushed look, uh, can mean lots of different things. Uh, one like of them really can mean angry. That you're mad mad or hammered or you just worked out or something <laughs> yeah i think that so maybe that might have been a factor there's probably a couple things that people may have picked up on that kind of led them to that conclusion one is that we never met these guys before and i thought right. we actually had pretty good rapport with everybody but you know maybe there was some awkwardness due to the fact that like this is really the first time we'd ever sat down and talked to this group of people yeah um, that's true we had we'd never met any of these guys before and they were all really great and you know Maybe it's hard to see on the camera, but, you know, we, we were having a blast. Um, yeah. The other thing is, is that, you know, a bunch of us there are obviously very opinionated. And so, we tend to state things like, I won't say aggressively, but passionately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that sometimes, you know, um, stating your opinion in such a way where it almost sounds like fact, uh, you know, it, it comes with the unspoken caveat that it's your opinion, but sometimes it can feel like you're trying to, like, enforce your thoughts on somebody else. Uh, right but yeah it was uh it was it wasn't meant to be that way um and i think that part two um is a little jollier you know yeah. more lighthearted. i just watched it while i was making breakfast nice um yep. i bet we have listeners right now who are making breakfast and they're like whoa whoa you're, you're freaking me out i'm cooking <laughs> eggs right now i did i cooked eggs maybe i, I was watching you earlier fried egg sandwich with horseradish cheddar and ham mm. i saw there's a, a similar thing uh dinner with developers is that what that's called it's like yeah some... i think that's where they got the idea for the dinner round oh, table yeah. thing At uh, least... actually the most recent one was uh spry fox those, oh, those two cool. excellent dudes yeah actually so i saw one of those it wasn't maybe it wasn't dinner with developers but i i came across something that they had 
the Intel guys had linked us as kind of um this is the format we're going for. And it had that guy, Chris Perillo from Oh yeah. The GDC roundtable. He was there yep. talking about something techie related or whatever. Uh, as part of dinner with developers? No, it wasn't it must not have been di- dinner with developers. It must have been something else. Like dinner with people who like to talk about tech. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was the title because that yeah. is an amazing title. I thought so. <laughs> I should be in marketing probably. It's it's such a uh, a specific like you know what you're getting you know <laughs> it's got great SEO <laughs> I bet I love seeing that kind of thing in real life uh, for example um, my favorite grocery store to go to is called Fresh and Easy <laughs> <laughs> I love that title like so Kroger, I don't know what that know. is Fresh and Easy okay <laughs> I know what I'm getting it won't be hard and it won't be spoiled right. ship it. Uh. no you can't ship it yet matt there's still 52 minutes to go oh oh well let's get to it all right so moving on uh check out the round table it's great blah 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 uh (laughs) next order business (laughs) 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 it is it's a bunch of blah 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 oh man if you want to us talk more about html5 uh actually we probably talk more about html5 on the round table than we do on this podcast anymore but it doesn't come up that much, yeah. <laughs> uh, next order of business is that tonight in San Francisco at Rackspace headquarters, uh, Greg Love from Whippering and I will be giving a talk about uh, the business side of an indie game launch. Yay. Yes. And, and more specifically, we're talking about uh, Wizard's Lizard because, you know... That's, that's the only example we have because if we talked about Lava Blade, it would be a really depressing talk. A very short, five minutes. <laughs> I'd be like, well, it was a $5 game. We sold five copies and that was my five minute presentation. Now let's sit here <laughs> quietly for four minutes and 45 seconds. And here's, uh, and while we wait, check out this three pages of hate on Steam Greenlight. <laughs> uh, I hate you, stupid flash game. Go back to iOS, terrible developers, um, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. Yes. No, it'll be all about um, a wizard's lizard. And, uh, for astute listeners, you might remember that we actually interviewed Greg Love from Whippering on a prior podcast. I will put a link to that in the show notes. Nicely done, Matt. Yeah. I'm Way on to cross show notes. promote or whatever. So, uh, you actually know all about this talk because uh, Greg has sent you the documents and stuff, and uh, I'm in the dark. So, why don't you treat me and the listeners to um, what the event is going to be all about so uh basically we're just going to kind of go over um the history of how whipbring and ldg got together what the landscape was like when we were originally talking about launching what was then crypt run um which then became wizard's lizard and then how we didn't want to go on green light how we ended up having to go on green light how green light became a success for us and then how the steam launch went that's kind of the rough uh timeline nice kind of the story of crypt run wizards lizard game yeah and so i think it'll be pretty interesting it's it's turning out to be a much longer deck of slides than i initially imagined but it's really interesting because there's a lot of facets to it you know mm-hmm. um, and a lot of there's really a lot of little tidbits you know i'm always scared when we're talking about doing these kinds of talks that i won't have a lot to say or people be like you know this is boring there's no relevancy whatever um, but after looking over these slides that Greg has prepared, it actually seems pretty interesting. 
that's good that's much better than the opposite we're like, <laughs> yes. you're like oh, i'm often awful. worried i don't have much to say and i have to after after seeing greg's slides there's really nothing there <laughs> there's like one slide and it's like yep this is our game we sold this number of copies and c- goodbye thanks for coming don't i'm actually surprised though that uh it doesn't start with kickstarter although i guess that wouldn't be um like that was before greg got involved so if it's right. really like the marriage of of us two i guess it does make sense to start with casual connect and indie prize showcase from last year where uh where we met and started doing business together the business right. the business yeah but business, I mean, everybody yeah, it's an interesting point though and then i'll probably talk a little bit about kickstarter and and california extreme i think because those are both interesting points you know yeah. Um, a lot of our business dev and marketing work did start when we met Greg because that was his focus and he really wanted to, to work on that. And, you know, we really wanted someone to work on that and we were starting to get to the point where, you know, marketing actually made sense. Yeah. Uh, but before we met Greg, we, we were doing stuff on our own. You know, we launched the Kickstarter. Um, we did uh, California Extreme. We demoed there and, you know, got player feedback and, you know, we didn't we weren't doing as well as we could have been doing with, you know, trying to push pre-sales and stuff at that point, but right. We showed up, but, uh, yeah. So we're going to go over uh, a lot of that stuff. We're going to talk about just different facets of press outreach, you know, traditional press streamers, YouTubers. Um, Greg actually has a lot of great details about how many people he reached out to, how many people he heard back from, um, various coverages that uh, a wizard's lizard ha- has seen uh, via traditional press and YouTube. Uh, I whipped up some cool graphs that show our green light campaign over the course of its lifetime um, and with some notable spikes based on specific events. And then, you know, humble sales that kind of track those events as well. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, I'm excited to go talk it up because apparently I like to talk. <laughs> Who would have thought a guy thought? on his eightieth podcast likes to talk? That's just weird. That is weird. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sad I don't get to be there. I'm not. Can you can you twitch me in or something? Can we, can <laughs> we all Maybe. share we'll the put, streaming? Put you on FaceTime, set you up on like. Oh, you know what we need one of those like rolling robots. Oh that has yeah. Has the monitor for a face, and you can like talk to the audience. Yeah, and it's got like a really muscular body, and it's got a picture of my face on the monitor, so like I look <laughs> like a really weird but muscular robot yes that's exactly what i was thinking yeah (laughs) i was thinking we'd give you the body from tron guy cool (laughs) ship that (laughs) um i i would imagine rackspace would have pretty decent internet i would hope right you would hope because like (laughs) kind of what they do they give they give people the internets (laughs) You got to deal in the internets. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we'll see. I don't know. This is kind of Greg's thing, so I'm I'm just kind of there for support. Yeah. Um. So I don't really know. I was kind of hoping that we could record it, but I don't know if that'll really be a possibility or not. Yeah. If we were better at this and we had more time to prepare and all that, um, it would be pretty slick to have like a like we stream the event live on Twitch on our um Lost Decade uh, yeah. Games Twitch channel. That'd be sweet yeah um, that'll be sweet i mean it's hard with twitch because like um you only really probably need to just set up your laptop and like set the webcam on and like it's it's easy to set up and do but you eh. know guaranteeing that it's gonna work and that it'll be good 
and yeah. that you'll be able to hear it and you you really need to be noisy about it beforehand because the whole thing with twitch is like it's very time-based you know it's like at this time this specific moment in time so people need to know about it and uh we already haven't i mean it's tonight you know so we've kind of yeah. already uh, uh let that ship sail so i think i might bring i have a like digital SLR, slr camera that is mostly for still pictures but it does have movie making capabilities right and i have a tripod so i might bring that set it up and just kind of record as well as i can and, and just see how it goes i mean it probably won't be that great the audio will probably suck but you know it might be better than nothing i uh can't speak for our, our listening audience but i personally would uh prefer something kind of crappy over nothing because yeah. i feel like i'm missing out you are missing out. i am yep why did we have to move down here i know where hey. it's warm and sunny and wonderful i don't know about that you were telling me yesterday it was like 90 degrees yeah but you know we differ on that you you like uh you're kind of a nordic viking type and <laughs> yes. uh i don't know what i am but i like <laughs> i like hot weather you're more like uh hawaiian or something maybe i, I desperately want to move to hawaii you're like pacific islander in spirit yeah if not in skin tone yes exactly (laughs) do we want to talk about the numbers that was supposed to be our great segue we are the masters of segue we were talking about a talk where we talked about the numbers and then we're going to actually talk about the numbers we're so good at segues that the segue manufacturers should send us free segues oh god so that we can ride them into new conversations stop stop Stop. just don't (laughs) just don't (laughs) (laughs) and right now our listeners as they wash dishes and they jog they're thinking just just shut up and say the numbers (laughs) yeah i wouldn't be surprised if many people just turned off the show at that point steam numbers let's talk about them steam numbers um so you you want one of our classic drum rolls (laughs) no maybe (laughs) whatever (laughs) that didn't sound anything like a drum roll so the, the no it's terrible the the first week on steam we sold i wonder what people think you know what would, what would oh, their guesses be i saw something really interesting so just to kind of <laughs> increase the tension a little bit uh, there was an article a couple weeks ago about the steam launch of ibn ob which is kind of like a co-op puzzle platformer type game mm-hmm. i'm gonna give it um i'm gonna say six out of ten tiger hats having never played it <laughs> but uh <laughs> the jeff hasn't played reviews (laughs) i don't know it looks all right i guess yeah six out of ten whatever moving on anyways they did an article about their first week on steam and what they did that we should have done was they did a poll because they had no idea how many uh units they were going to sell kind of like us they were they're going into this like we have no idea you know yeah and so uh they said their numbers ranged from the the guesses ranged from like 10 to like 80,000 or something else. <laughs> like this ridiculous range. Wait, were they just asking their audience? Yeah, like asking their fans or whoever. I see. Somebody. So like, hey, take a random stab in the dark based on no prior information. Basically, yeah. Hey, yeah how many, how many right. sales do you think this, this game will make? <laughs> I think so, most games on Steam make between 10 and 80,000 sales in their probably. first week. <laughs> probably 99% of them. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, indeed. So we kind of had a benchmark because uh, other developers 
are nice and open with their data. And so they sold, what was it, around 5K copies yeah. in the first week? I think it was 4,901. So that was kind week. of the only measuring stick we had. And we had no context for like, you know, was this game published? Did th- what kind of marketing this, did this game have? Like, did they have an advertising campaign? We, we knew nothing really, aside from what the article explicitly said. Um, yeah. And one of the things they did say was that they had the top promo placement in the steam homepage oh the so big splash was, they big. had the big splash yeah for a little Ooh. bit i don't know how long but they they did have that big that big feature spot for a little bit i want that and yeah i, w- I want that too <laughs> and so they sold five thousand copies and so when i was reading that article you know i was like oh five thousand copies that, that sounds pretty decent and then you know they were talking about how they had that top carousel feature placement and then i was getting a little unsure of our chances uh to hit those numbers because right I was like, uh, I don't think we're going to get that top spot. You know, I mean, I've seen Ibanov around before. Um, it had some buzz before I saw that article about their Steam numbers. And so, you know, I kind of figured that they might have more buzz than we did. Right. Uh, and they, you know, had a chance to get that that top feature carousel and, and we didn't. And in that respect, I was right. We did not get the top feature carousel. Oh. Yes. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> you can replace that with, never mind. Anyways, wow. Yes. Sad trombone. Yep. However, uh, so we had really had no idea what to expect. I, I think that going into it, both of us thought, you know, if we get 5,000 sales like Ibanov did, then, you know, we'll be happy. That sounds great. Yeah. You know, 5,000 sales at 10 bucks a copy is, you know, pretty decent first week. Yeah. Um, and so we launched on last Monday. And I think we probably talked about on the podcast, but the initial numbers were very strong. And they only stayed strong uh, up until the Steam summer sale. And so we ended up actually selling, drum roll, 8,500-ish copies. Whoa! Whoa! 8,000! That's about twice as many as I thought that we would be happy with. Yeah, I didn't think that we... Like, 5K was the only measuring stick we had, basically. And like you were saying, um, we don't have much context and like Ibn Ab, uh I'm pretty sure I'd seen that bubbled up as well and like any game I've heard of I just assume is a success on some um, level or another and so yeah I was I didn't I wasn't really confident either that we could hit that number because um I was just more impressed <laughs> with their game than ours so that's every game we're very you know <laughs> self-deprecating yeah but that was a uh, very nice to see it was um probably yeah about double of of what our uh, our estimates were yeah so uh you know very good first week for us you know obviously it's not money where we're gonna go buy a boat <laughs> a piece no yeah there i mean you can kind of extrapolate um you know what what, what we're going to be making based on the prices and stuff it should be noted however um that there was a hiccup so we launched on monday and the steam summer sale was that thursday that it launched or was it wednesday Let's before the hiccup. Let's talk about the the Steam launch and what kind of okay. kept us in a really good spot. Um, <clears throat> so the way that that Steam works, and I'm going to be very general here because there's some NDA implications. You don't want to get sued. I don't. Well, <laughs> more likely, I don't want to get kicked off Steam. Yeah, that would be death. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to okay. sully a relationship with Steam. Quite yeah. the opposite getting sued since we're an llc you know it wouldn't really be the worst thing in the world i mean it would be bad obviously no i was just going for comedy's sake but yeah more likely they take us down and we're like just crying forever 
We're like, please, we're sorry, Gabe. Steam. <laughs> we'll do whatever you want. Right. Um, so we start off in that feature spot because Valve kind of gives you a certain amount of exposure when you launch just by default. You know, they guarantee you like this much placement. Right. And if you do well, then you get to stay there. And we did really well. Our conversion rate stayed pretty high, well above the average. Um, I really like Steam as a platform because they kind of give you these numbers and you can see how well you're doing compared to average, essentially. Yeah. Um, they did the same thing on Greenlight, too, which I think is really helpful because, you know, it's easier to kind of extrapolate where your campaign is going in Greenlight or where your sales are headed or what you can expect from the future based on your numbers versus the global average. Right, yeah. Uh, and so our global average was really strong, or our global, our conversion rate was really strong compared to the global average. Um, and so we stayed in that feature spot for basically from the time we launched until the Steam Summer Sale dropped, which was like 10 or 11 on Thursday. So it was really like three to four-ish days, sort of. Right. And... and- I was going to say, uh, there was that featuring, which I think, you know, obviously from looking at our analytics, a lot of our traffic comes organically from Steam. So right. I, I'm guessing that a lot of that was just that traffic. But um, also the other thing that, that really worked out well for us was that on the day of launch, uh, Northern Lion decided to do a let's play series of a Wizard's Lizard, and he continued that most of the week. Um, and so I think that also kind of helped kind of have that feedback loop of you know we're featured plus there's like some external interest that's kind of feeding into it as well and it's kind of keeping that good conversion rate rolling um so we stayed on the feature spot i just want to shake northern lion's hand i am sure that he has done a lot for the first week of this game and uh i just want him to know that we appreciate it and what a cool person because like he's totally been on our on our radar before because he had that great talk um that we've actually linked to before in the show notes and and spoke about uh, yep. Which, uh, you know what, I'm going to put it in there again because I love it. And it uh, it really gives you a great insight on um, how you could utilize YouTubers and what they can do for you and what they want to do for you and stuff like that. Yeah, that was a great a great talk, talking about how to reach out to streamers, like what the benefits are and that kind of stuff. And, you know, Northline isn't the only one. There's been a lot of inbound interest for streaming uh, for Wizards Lizard, and we really appreciate everyone that streams it, big or small. We love you guys. Um, I've been completely blown away by that. Yeah, like you search yeah. for a wizard lizard on Twitter, it's it's just ridiculous. There's so many YouTubers, so many streamers, so many of them are playing the game and talking about it, and I wasn't prepared for that. That is just mind blowing. Yeah, it seemed like all week we were answering inbound requests to stream the game. Yeah, which is great. So um, now on to the summer sale hiccup. <laughs> hiccup. This is a really interesting data point, uh, I think. And um, it kind of shows the balance between making money and angering your fan base. (laughs) (laughs) And so what happened is, is that uh, we had a launch discount with Steam that was supposed to run for a full week of launch. And so basically from the 16th to yesterday. Right. And that was about like 33% off, 34% off. 34. 34% off, yes. And then we wanted to participate in the Steam Summer Sale because we knew ahead of time that it was going to happen and we weren't allowed to say anything, obviously. But we knew that it was coming on a certain day and we knew that we wanted to, uh, you know, let Valve know that we wanted to participate if possible. And so the way that you do that is you fill out some 
discounts that you say, you know, this is how much I want to discount my game during the Steam sale for the duration of the sale, and this is how much I want to discount my game um, during like a flash or a daily deal. And, like, so, and none of that is guaranteed. That's all like, you know, uh, right. Valve well, mystery the type stuff. It's like, hey, if you're up for that, then what kind of kind of ballparks would you be looking for kind of stuff and uh yeah it's not guaranteed right yeah so the flash sale isn't guaranteed but the duration discount is guaranteed right on and so i set our duration discount which was going to be the discount that the game was going to run through the duration of the steam sale i set that to 34 percent as well in my naivety and misunderstanding of the steam steam system i figured that what would happen is that come the steam summer sale we would just have the same discount that we had at launch Right, And the reason we did that is because we didn't want to anger people that had bought it three days before. <laughs> you know, I think yep. one of the things we're going to talk about in that talk tonight is the timing of the launch. And it wasn't super ideal, um, but given a lot of other factors, it was kind of the best that we thought we could do. Because um, basically we just take forever to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ideally, I think we would have launched like May 1st or something. Or like March. <laughs> hey. Yeah, if so we much. could have gotten everything done in time, but yeah. What <laughs> well, are you going to yeah. do? What are you going to do? Anyways, yeah. given all of our missteps and external constraints, uh, this was a, about the best time to launch for us. Yeah. Um, because we didn't want to wait until after the Steam sale, Steam sale, and we didn't want... And I found out later, you basically cannot launch during the Steam sale. Ooh. So, yeah, basically it was beforehand or not, and so we decided to launch it right beforehand. Um, but the thing that happened was that when we went into the Steam sale, Steam uh, added those discounts together. They so instead of the game being, yeah, they say stack. So instead of being 34% off, the game was 68% off. And the internet loved it. At least oh, yes. the ones who hadn't yet bought it. <laughs> yes. Everybody else so, yeah. hated it. Immediately, there was a lot of pushback from people that, you know, like, oh, that's like such a jerk, jerk move and like... You know, you guys suck and blah, blah, blah. I mean... Yeah, it's a lot of hate. I felt I felt the white hate, white hot hate of the internet uh, in <laughs> a way that I hadn't <laughs> in a long time, you know? Because it, it felt like it was coming from multiple places. Like, usually you get some hate on Reddit because they're like, don't don't pimp your crap here. Or, you know, on the forum, someone's like, hey, your game's broken. I hate you. Or just like one kind of place at a time. But here it was like hate on Steam, hate on Twitter, like my personal Twitter account, like, oh, I hate why you guys suck. Yeah. White hot internet hate. You were, I think I said you got singed by it. I did. I got a little a little burnt. <laughs> Your eyebrows got taken off. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to be clear, we didn't mean for that to happen. You know, people were kind of, I would say, reasonably upset. You know, you oh, buy yeah. a game three days beforehand and then it, three days later it goes on sale and you know that happens obviously yeah um but <laughs> i i feel like in our particular case because the launch window was so close to the steam summer sale that that was kind of a it would have been a bad move on our part yeah it wasn't really a smart thing so i like, mean nintendo has taught us all don't um <laughs> don't punish your early adopters right like they've paid the price for that before um, and so we got that cleared up within about an hour. But the interesting thing about that hour was that that hour where the game was 68% off, we sold the most number of copies in an hour of the game that we have sold in the entirety of its launch. More than the first day of launch. More than the first hour of launch. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's basically two big spikes in our sales on Steam. 
the first big spike came the very first hour that it was launched, which is which amazing. Yeah, it makes sense because one, we had a little bit, you know, obviously we don't have the biggest mind share in the world, but we had a little bit of kind of promotion going on. People knew it was coming. There was some YouTubers and streamers. Um, Northern Lion launched his video like half an hour before the game went live on Steam. So I think that probably contributed. It was like great timing. Yeah, great timing. So yeah, a lot of things kind of all the moons aligned and our first hour was amazing. Um, I think we actually ended up selling around 450 copies in the first hour. Um, nice. Which, you know, to us, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's like more copies than we've any, ever sold of anything ever combined over four <laughs> years of working on little games. <laughs> ever in the history of things. <laughs> yeah. During that hour where the game was heavily discounted for the Steam Summer Sale, uh, we sold like 550 copies. And we t- obviously made less money. So the, the gross revenue we made in those two hours was still more revenue made in the first in the launch hour than in the hiccup hour. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting to see how a steep discount can really drive unit sales. Yeah. And there's something to be said about reaching a larger audience, you know, because there's going to just organically be some word of mouth or like, say you've got somebody with their eye on your game, but they don't want to spend that much yet. Uh, But they have like a lot of friends and they write reviews. And, you know, the more people your game gets to, the larger chance it has of spreading. So it honestly, from a business side, it may have been smarter for us to actually have that price, just to have stuck to that price. But uh, we were really concerned with making the current um, like purchasers happy and not upsetting them. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, from a you know pure greed standpoint, we probably would have made more money. <laughs> Lost decade greed, LDG. Right. <laughs> no, LD we only greed. care about staying afloat. As long as we can pay rent and buy food uh, for us and our cats, then it's all good. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So interesting. You know, it, it's something we're gonna have to take into consideration later. You know. Um, it's, it's hard because, like, you know, we're going to put the game on more of a discount eventually. And we're very open about the fact that, you know, not soon, but someday we want to be on a humble bundle. And, you know, <laughs> you know what that means is you can basically, if it's in a bundle, you can get a game for, like, 50 cents if that's what you feel like paying for, you know. Like, right. down the road, we do want to discount it. So there's always going to be that chance that someone's going to be a little bit burnt. But... I feel like it just kind of comes with the territory. You know, gamers know the market. They know that sales happen. And they really just kind of want to, you know, min and max their money, basically, right? They want to <laughs> strike at the most opportune moment. But they also sometimes, um, and that's, this is a main factor, is they don't want to wait. You know, like they might see it now and be like, okay, it's 34% off. That's more than 0% off. And who knows if it'll be part of any kind of a Steam summer flash or daily daily deal or humble or whatever so i don't want to wait anymore i'm just gonna pay you know like that's a factor as well with the understanding of like next day it's on lower sale and you're like oh but you got to play your game so yep well the interesting thing about the steam summer sale and, and these kinds of sales in general is that uh a lot of gamers basically say oh i don't buy anything unless it's on a flash or daily deal because right they know more or less that the thing they want is probably going to go on flash sale for a steeper discount than it is during the duration and they say you know they they tell their friends to hold off buying games yeah i saw you know we talked about northern lion i follow on twitter and he was asking something about when to buy games on 
during the sale and people basically said do not buy anything unless it's on a flash or daily yeah they said it needs to be on the homepage of steam or else it'll probably just end up being um more deeply discounted eventually right and that's i don't really understand i mean obviously valve probably has a lot more insight into how and why sales are structured the way they are than than we do but yeah it almost seems like i mean maybe they just count on the fact that the people that are going to wait for the flash sales are maybe a minority you know like yeah. most people are kind of like what you were saying where they see it and they see it it's off at all until they just buy it because they don't care or they want you know immediate satisfaction or whatever yeah um, so i i'm, I'm kind of wondering if if maybe people that wait for daily deals are actually more of a minority that's a good question i really don't know um i do think that people with a strategy are more likely to talk about said strategy you know like if you're more of the kind of buyer who you know a game just happens to jump at you and the price looks reasonable and you're like yeah okay it's discounted whatever and like you know you're aware that flash sales exist but you don't really care like maybe Most, you're doing okay right now financially um yeah. and you really like you're looking to play now you know like i, I don't want to wait till tomorrow like i'm i'm bored this moment and i've got four hours to kill so <laughs> right. i want to download and be playing in five minutes I think it's just, you know, it's just the consumer habits in general, right? Like most people don't do the research. Right. Or they, you know, they won't try and find the best bargain. They make impulsive decisions. Yeah. And like they're people. If you do, if that is your strategy, I mean, you've got a strategy and you're like, you're more likely to talk about it. Like <laughs> some people might once in a while be like, you know, I don't care. Like they talk on a forum or on Twitter. They're like, I could care less. I just buy it. Right. But if you're like, no, no, dude, you got to wait. Like, trust me. I'm all about saving you money. Right. Like here's I got a strategy. Here's the lowdown. Right. So it's here's hard to say. It could info. very easily be a, a vocal minority, but uh but we're not really I sure. Like, I feel like they must, because otherwise, you know, Valve wouldn't structure the sale the way that they structure it, I think. Yeah, Valve seems like the kind of money uh <laughs> the kind of money grubbing <laughs> company that you would expect to pull a stunt like this. They <laughs> are money. They are just pure money. Um they seem like the kind of company that knows how to like uh maximize value for customers and and they talk about that like even in their documentation and their their pr and stuff you know they always talk about you know we want to bring value to developers and we want to you know pay developers well and that kind of thing but uh the way you do that and they understand this is you provide value for your customer and so because they have a good understanding of the customer needs and they also want to have good relationships with developers i feel like they wouldn't do the stuff like the steam summer sales and the flash and daily stuff like they wouldn't do it if it wasn't best for everybody all around but i don't know right. that's that might be a uh, <laughs> naive statement um but there's like some trust i guess i guess that's part of it is i just like i trust the company to to do what's right yeah i mean i don't know what saying what's right is kind of an ambiguous statement you know yeah it is i, I think that what's more accurate is to say that we trust them to do what's in their financial interest yeah and they're an extremely data-driven company. Yeah, they're very data-driven. Um, and so the way that they structure these sales must be because they make more money doing it that way. And that's that's, that's kind of what line. I'm saying, though, is I think that with like a publicly owned company, like they are legally obligated to follow the dollar, right? And the way they do that might be through customers or whatever, but basically they just they do whatever's going to make them the most money. And Valve, being a privately held company... They don't have to follow that without, like, <laughs> there would be no legal recourse if they don't just chase the money. Like, they can make a decision that's like, we're going to make a little bit less money, but we'll have much happier customers. I feel like 
they would make the decision towards the customers. They might, yeah, it's possible. Maybe. But they are still a private company that exists to make money. So by and large, their yeah. incentives are about the same as a public company. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know, and whether or not they do have maybe a little more flexibility. Although I have heard that legal recourse about having them to make the decisions to make the most money is uh, sort of a myth. Or at least it's not as clear cut as like, oh, you can get sued if you don't make the decision to make the For most corporations? money. For corporations? Yeah. I mean, you just have to look back at when um, Jerry Yang said no to the Microsoft acquisition of Yahoo. That was one of those examples where I was actually following it pretty closely. I mean, this is a while ago, uh, but I was working at Yahoo at the time. So I found it very interesting. And uh, basically the shareholders, like they buy Yahoo stock to make money. That's how the trading market works. And uh, okay, (laughs) typical LDG style, I should say up front, (laughs) I don't know anything about stocks. (laughs) Not not much of a business person. I'm probably wrong about all of this. This this is just... This is an amateur talking. This is just so. your completely uninformed opinion. So let's hear it. This is the Jeff Reviews Games <laughs> version of my business spiel. Um, <laughs> but basically, like, um, I, I'm not completely sure about the legal recourse. I don't know if you can actually sue somebody. Um, but that is where a lot of suing comes from is like the loss of money. And you could be like, look, I bought $200,000 worth of your shares a year ago. And the way this works is you you need to be making my money back because I'm a stakeholder, Right. Right. And you made this decision not to sell your company, and that cost me, based on the numbers, that cost me personally one million bucks, right? right? Like, there is legal recourse there, at the very least, of kicking somebody off the board, not letting them make those decisions anymore. Like, right. there is recourse. And at a privately yeah, held company, say. it's really just the people in charge. Like, someone could be like, hey, Gabe, you know, I could have made more money if you had discounted those games more. And he's like, don't care. <laughs> don't care your, your, your recourse is you talk to Gabe and he's like I'm I'm so rich I'm just gonna ignore you <laughs> that's what I'm saying is like there's no um, there's fewer right. people that you have to like report to you know right yeah yeah no it's true uh, you're, you're right in that sense but I think that trying to assign Valve some kind of altruistic nature is mm, possibly not correct uh, and could be very naive because like you're saying they are still a big company right. that needs to make money because, you know, they've got bills, they've got people's salaries to pay and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure Gabe likes his 15 boats. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, a boat for each day of the week, maybe. I sometimes pay people to drive them and I race them across the world. Right. <laughs> Anyways, we should stop talking about people we don't know. Maybe he lives a very modest lifestyle. I don't know. Maybe Gabe Newell isn't... <laughs> hardcore lost cast listener <laughs> maybe sorry gabe sorry. every every episode <laughs> uh, it'd be stuff. funny if he commented on the the blog for this episode he's like guys you really hurt me here i've been a long time fan and it just and we're like <laughs> no we were saying that you you're a good company you do the right thing and he's like well the right thing is to shut you down <laughs> no. i'm yanking your game off steam right now take it back i all think the i money. would cry Tears would come out of my eyes. I, I'm pretty sure. Oh I'd yeah, probably, yeah I'd whimper. Devastating. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, interestingly, you know, I, I think that the Steam sale, the way it's structured, has been interesting for us because we are have not so far been part of a daily or a flash deal. And when the Steam sale hit, we lost a lot of our featured spots. Yeah, um, and so you know that really kind of tanked our our numbers. I mean, our numbers are still okay. 
So just our baseline, we're probably selling. Oh, I don't know. I guess I could look it up and and not it's have it's an, definitely uh, been consistently trending downward though. It's it's pretty clear that our first week numbers that we're very happy with those are not that's not a trend. Those those are going to um, slowly deplete over time. Right, but we're still selling like several hundred copies a day, which is so fantastic because I I'm pretty sure Lava Blade never sold even two hundred copies <laughs> ever. If you count in, the, the free in, copies in we gave away as part of Kickstarter rewards, then maybe you could get there. But if you're <laughs> Talking about sold copies. No, 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 no. not even close. So yeah, uh, we're, you know, we're selling several hundred copies a day right now. We have no feature placements, but you know, things are are looking good for the future because we have more promotional opportunities on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, We're going to do some updates to the game, which will increase our visibility within steam. And we're going to wait to do that until after the summer sale subsides. And uh, we've also got some other kind of promotional things in the works with uh, streamers and, and stuff like that. So hopefully, you know, um, it's not like a big bang at the beginning, a, a great first week, and then just nothingness. I want this game to have a long lizard tail. That's right. <laughs> and if you cut it <laughs> off, it grows back. Yes. Longer than before. <laughs> it always has a tail. Now, that's, that's right. the hope, right? I mean, some games launch and they don't see any kind of real traction for months or years you know that right is not common but it happens well especially with the indie games it's more often than not or maybe not more often than not but it's more often than like other types of genres i feel like yeah like if your whole business model is you do a giant release marketing campaign chances are you're not you know <laughs> the, the marketing campaign like- was a miss when everybody knew about it and saw it in billboards and tv commercials and stuff <laughs> But they randomly discovered it two years later? What? Like, that doesn't usually work that way. Yeah. So, hopefully, you know, with our game, it'll be more of a sleeper hit, (laughs) so to speak. A cult hit, hopefully. Maybe. Sleeper cult, all Uh, these various words that mean good. It's interesting. There's a a quote from Edmund McMillan about Binding of Isaac, and he he was saying, you know, this is great because I love these quotes. I've seen them before, and at the time that I read them, they had absolutely no meaning to me. (laughs) <laughs> but now that we're on Steam, they have much more relevancy to me because I understand the numbers that he's talking about. You have and context. So he said, yeah, exactly. So he said, uh, when we first launched on Steam, uh, we were selling about 100 to 200 copies a day, right? Yep. And then he said that number starts slowly rising to like 150. Uh, he said then it kind of leveled out to about 150 copies a day uh, over the, like, the first couple months of launch. Right. And obviously, this is the Steam of a couple years ago. So, I mean, this is like almost a different era. Uh, this is well of- before Greenlight too. So, indie games on Steam were way, way more uh, obscure, right? Right. Like, there's but- hundreds more indie games now because of Greenlight and the years that have passed. Totally. And so, it's, you know, one thing that's interesting to me about that quote is that, you know, could we expect a baseline of 150 sales a day? Like, it seems like what he's saying there is that with no promotion he was getting 100 to 200 sales a day and about 150 sales a day after the first couple of months, um, just kind of as a baseline without much promotion. Right. And then he says he saw that number start to climb and climb and climb, and then it ended up going to like 1,500 copies plus a day. Yeah. And that's all because of the streamer YouTube community, and they picked up Isaac and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And obviously, that's not necessarily going to happen to our game, but I think it's interesting to note that Steam probably does have this baseline, right? They're... We could be selling a couple hundred copies a day f- for the next few months outside of promotion, just because 
there are a number of people that are going to go to some of the lesser known uh, kind of like page hubs. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know if Greg has, has mentioned this in his notes or whatever, but uh, this has been really interesting. One thing that he said is that he has seen the YouTuber and streamer fellowship do nothing but grow by leaps and bounds because he did a press push um, back in late January when we first launched a wizard's lizard on humble. And he had a lot of data for like, you know, here's this streamer, here's this YouTuber, here's how many followers they have, here's their contact information, that kind of stuff. And it's been a good chunk of time, you know, that was January and we're in June now. And, but he has seen like, uh, some viewerships double, like I think green 9090 is an example back when he was first playing a wizard's lizard, he had about 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. And now he's got 30,000 more like, and, um, Greg was saying, who is someone else? Uh, Goal of Doom has also grown by like orders of magnitude since yeah. January. And that says a lot too, because we've seen, there's just so many streamers and YouTubers and, and we've had, uh, we've been lucky enough that many of them are playing a wizard's lizard. And you know, they might not have that many followers right now, like a couple hundred or something, but give them a couple months because that stuff is growing. By leaps and bounds, yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is that uh, we still have some decent placement on some other kind of buried hubs. Like on, if you go to the Indie Games Hub on Steam, we're in that top carousel. Nice. Um, and some other decent-ish placement. I mean, obviously, those placements pale in comparison to the front page. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's something, and, and that's good. And so I guess the point is is that there's possibly just this baseline of Steam sales because of the number of people, which are probably the minority, that do frequent these kind of lesser known front pages. Right. Yeah. And as they increase in popularity, hopefully their, their videos where they've covered our game will also increase in popularity. Yes. I think we're kind of talking about two different things, but that's okay. Oh, (laughs) you're talking about streamers and I'm talking about placement on like the indie games hub on steam. Yeah. I, I get kind of mixed up because, um, they both are basically our primary drivers of traffic. Right. Like, it yeah. seems like probably 99% of the incoming interest for Wizard Lizard on Steam has come from Steam itself or, you know, YouTubers, streamers. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to know. We've been looking at the analytics, and according to Google Analytics, you know, about 95% of our traffic comes directly from Steam itself. Right. Um, I I have to think that some of that, you know we know that some of that comes from youtube as well it's just hard to track it as such sometimes yeah uh we were talking about that so it would seem that say you know northern lion northern lion has like 400 plus thousand subscribers and uh one of his wizard lizard videos has like fifty thousand views and so you expect to see you know youtube.com as a heavy refer um in your google analytics data but it should be noted that like people probably these days consume Northern Lions content more as like a TV show, you know? And if that's the case, you're probably sitting on the couch just watching. You're not actually like browsing the web, maybe, you know? You might just be watching it full screen and you might pull it up on your phone and you see him playing a Wizard's Lizard, you know? And you might Google it or you might just go straight to wizardslizard.com or you might just go to Steam and either search for it there. Maybe you go to Northern Lions group on Steam, you know? Uh, right. but there wouldn't be much like data tied to like what kind of traffic he's actually driving because I think there's this disconnect, you know, you don't yeah, click the YouTube video to go to the game necessarily. It's almost like TV commercials, right? Yeah. 
it's like you know oh you know that a million people saw this commercial but it's hard to know how many of those people as a direct result of that commercial went through to buy your product you know they might have seen the commercial and then a day later they decided to go search for it on the internet and buy it or something you know yeah (laughs) i bet that drives google nuts because they're (laughs) otherwise so thorough and really excellent at tracking you know they've got their campaigns and their uh their utm ids and they know where people are going and how long they spend there and they've got, got all these great analytics and then they've got these uh platforms they own they got youtube right <laughs> and they're like oh we can't track the data all right keeps them up at night <laughs> uh i'm sure there's the creative ways that they can solve that you know yeah i mean you could do some kind of loose comparisons like oh this particular google user you know they have tracking everywhere so they might be able to say you know this this person landed on your store page and bought the game and in their google tracking cookies it shows they had previously watched an online video yeah or whatever you know like i mean i don't know if that's possible right now but i'm you know there's ways that you could sort of bubble up some of that data perhaps so just today there was a new thread on the steam discussion board um which by the way has been really active and awesome and uh we really appreciate that that's just I, I can't even describe how awesome that is to see like every single day there's a bunch of new threads and lots of responses and activity and um it's so good but th- there oh. was a question uh how did you find out about a wizard's lizard right and that was a it was about what we expected but it was also really cool just to see it laid out you know there were people who were like i saw northern lions post I saw it in the Steam front page. A friend of mine was playing it. And those are the ways, like, you know, we talked about those two, the first two. But then, like, word of mouth, we're just aware. Um, right. I won't be able to find it. But there was some data report I saw where, like, something staggering, like 30 to 40% of purchases come from word of mouth, which is huge if you think about it. Because that has nothing to do necessarily with the marketing, you know. It's, it's all just about people being social and communicating and stuff. Right. But that was really good to see. And um, like those are the ways that people find your game. And it's spelled out in that thread. I'll put a link to that actually in the show notes. I, I found that really fascinating. Yeah, it's really, I mean, as we kind of get into the aspects of being a real business, <laughs> this is stuff that's, you know, hugely important to us. You know, how do we acquire customers? How do we convert customers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. How, uh, how has this made you feel, Jeff? Because I have to say like, this is the first tiny little inkling I've had of like, maybe I'm a real game developer now, you know, like, <laughs> you know, we talk about imposter syndrome and how, you know, you never really feel like you belong. And I've completely felt like that up until now. I've got it's a, a little bit of self-respect at this point. Like, okay, I've launched a game on Steam and it actually sold a little bit. So you have I don't a shred of dignity. I do. I have this tiny, <laughs> like you put me in a room with people who have been like, yeah, I launched my first game on Steam 10 years ago. I've launched on every console everywhere. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm pathetic. But like, <laughs> anyway, how does it make you feel? Cause like, this is the first time I've felt like a quasi <laughs> real game developer. Yeah, no, it's very uh, legitimizing. I think. Um, legitimizing. And even more than just kind of the feeling of legitimacy, it's more like this could, this is a business venture that could work out. You know, I think that yeah. for you and I, Lost Decade Games is what most people would refer to as a lifestyle business, uh, which is that <laughs> it primarily exists so that we can exist. You know, like we can, uh, we're not looking to make hordes of money. We're not trying to go public. We're not trying to 
become millionaires. You know, we're basically trying to make fun stuff while we can pay the rent and feed ourselves and go on vacations. Yeah. And uh, to that end, it's very encouraging because, you know, I feel like this is uh, a really good indication that, that maybe we're on the right track here. We finally kind of found a small foothold or a niche that we can um, use to sustain ourselves and, you know, obviously make people uh, games that they can enjoy. And better so and better games every release, every time. Yeah. And so to me, you know, this is a really good first step towards, you know, hey, maybe this is something that we can do. Um outside of contract work you know we can just do just the games not to worry about contracts not to worry about licensing you know um just because of the nature of our business licensing and contracts have been a huge part of our income yeah um and so to have the chance to be free from those things and just focus on the games i think is really awesome and so you know based on the the success of the game so far it actually looks like you know we are probably good for the next you know, at least six months or so, um, in terms of, uh, paying the bills. So, and, and hopefully that's going to only get better. You know, a wizard's lizard is probably going to sell more than zero copies between now and the end of the year. (laughs) Hopefully really hope so. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so, you know, we could be set up for a little bit more of a runway for the next game. And, you know, I'm kind of hoping that we can get into this mode of, you know, fund the game with the previous game sales, release the game, make some money, rinse, repeat. And, uh, you know, that will be great for me. Yeah, I think this is the first time we've seen uh, that our own endeavors can be as lucrative as contract work, which is basically just kind of employment, you know? You're kind of just working for another business at that point. And that was the whole whole point. That's what we wanted to get away from, you know? We... We were making right. games on our own, working at a web company, which was which was great and everything, but we wanted to move towards games. And then we were working for somebody else, making games, didn't like that. And then we worked for ourselves, and then that didn't last long, so we had to work for somebody else sort of <laughs> in a contract right. capacity. And this is the very first time where it's like, you know, based on our own IP and our own work, we actually have a little bit of a small runway now. And that's, that's very gratifying. And, you know, it's just such a better deal. You know, I mean when yeah. or if a wizard's lizard gets really crazy popular you know we stand to make all the money it's not like contract gigs where you know they pay us a flat fee for the game and then if it goes nuts and everybody loves it then they keep all the money right yeah exactly <laughs> so very encouraging um it's you don't know it's almost surreal i think i i don't know if i mentioned that last week or not but yeah, just the prospect real. of you know, basically, uh, coming into the Steam launch, uh, you and I kept talking about, well, if it goes great, then, or if it goes decently, then then that's great. But, you know, we had to prepare for the fact that if it doesn't sell well, that we're going to have to take some contract work like ASAP. Oh, yeah. We've, we've been planting those seeds for months, and I cannot describe the stress because we're out of money right now. Like, I should point that out. I have, like, no money. <laughs> I <laughs> I can I can barely buy anything. Like uh, if another month or two goes by, I will be destitute. Um, I mean that said, we have some contracts that should have paid off months ago and crap like that. They're just you know tied up with red tape and stuff. Right. Um, but we didn't know because like we talked about earlier, we had that measuring stick from the other developers uh, where they made you know they sold four k or so in the first um, in the first month, and we're like. Ugh. But we were. We were totally mentally prepared for like, we launched on Steam. And everybody just like, okay. Yeah. 
no one cares no like seriously like okay so you sold like 100 copies in the first day and you know because we kind of see a trickle right we've been seeing a trickle with lava blade and you know since we launched on uh and humble in january we've seen a trickle of sales and not knowing firsthand we were prepared for a trickle and it was very um tense <laughs> and stressful <laughs> it was tense yes so we planted these seeds of like okay if you guys need some more contract work like we might be available in july we don't know <laughs> yeah, who knows so we were kind of like mentally prepared for like okay we're gonna have to put this game back on the shelf and cry yes but the good news is we don't um at the very least we can spend uh the next six months or so um kind of reinvesting in the game promoting it more heavily uh doing some updates doing some improving dlc it. improving it yes yeah so it's all very exciting i'm really looking forward to the next six months or so because it's basically going to be taking this product which we now have which we know that there's some interest in and trying to shove it down people's throats as much <laughs> as possible <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard uh, of a wizard lizard? Buy it right now. Oh, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like roguelikes. Knock it off. Once again, thank you for listening. And we know that a lot of our listeners have already bought the game. And we totally appreciate that support. Uh, if you've got the time, go rate us or review us on iTunes. That's totally appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at Lost Decade Games. And uh, we'll see you in just one week from today. Ship it. <laughs> what a jerk that was my matt voice oh i know <laughs>